Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while. And the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Amen. For a little while tonight, I want to talk to us tonight about that same spirit. I should have had Bishop and Sister McGee just singing. That same spirit. Amen. I want to talk about... Mm, No, that same spirit. Let's pray. (laughs) Glory. Thank you, Jesus, tonight. We're so grateful today, God, for the Lord, opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. I pray, oh God, tonight you're able to touch our hearts and our minds. God, afresh, Lord, with your word. Help us, God, to pull, Lord God, from the scriptures, things, Lord God, that are applicable. Lord Jesus, for our individual lives, and will not fail to thank you, God, for what you accomplished by it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. That same spirit. Man, that is a good song, isn't it? Amen. You know it? Okay. Amen. Whew. Could almost break the inspiration on that. I, you hear that note? It's like, hmm. Come on up here and sing a few bars of it. Come on up here and sing a few bars of it. You can just stay here on the floor. You don't have to get on the platform. I'll get a mic. A one. All right. Well, Jesus, Jesus said it is expedient for me to go away. But they sent you another comforter to guide you from day to day. So that Terry at Jerusalem for power from on high and that same spirit that they receive within my heart alive I can feel His Holy Spirit oh it's a dwelling deep within 
Hope you're so gentle And sometimes like a mighty rushing wind But that same spirit That raised Jesus up from death and the grave Oh, it shall raise this old body up And take me home someday Oh, they laid him, oh, in a empty tomb, and they rolled a big old stone at the door. Oh, they put soldiers, oh, there to guard him. You know, they thought they'd done away with the Lord. But on that third day, the stone was rolled away, and he came forth from the that praise Jesus up will take me home someday. Come on, sing it. Oh, let's feel his Holy Spirit. Oh, it's dwelling deep within. Oh, sometimes it just feels so gentle. And sometimes like a mighty Russian wind But that same spirit That raised Jesus up from death And the grave It shall raise this old body up And take me home someday Praise the Lord. Take me home someday. Thank the Lord. Amen. That was impromptu, but that was good. Amen. I, they've been working on that for about the past 50 some odd years, trying to get just right. Amen. You may be seated tonight. First time they ever sung it, but they've been working on it for... 50 something. I'm just joking. Amen. That same spirit. The Gospel of John thus far in our study has been a book that has concentrated much upon the dual nature of Jesus Christ. It's been in view in the Gospel of John. We have seen both the humanity of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus. We have seen God, who the Scripture declares is spirit, was in Christ Jesus. That, that fleshly portion, if you will, of Christ, that man that the Bible says was made of a woman. We've seen John talk about throughout different chapters, talk about the father and the son or how the will of the spirit, which is known as the father, uh, being exercised by the son, which was the flesh. It's spoken about how the works of the spirit, which is the father, being exercised by the flesh, which is the Son. In John 14, and we'll see later, uh, it'll be many months now because of connect groups, many months from now, also in John 16, the chapters where John 
investigates a little further the different forms and the operations of God, the different functions of God, the different relationships of God, our one God, might I say, beyond the scope of just the Father and the Son relationships that are in the book of John, but even looks at the operation and the function, the relationship, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost, because we know, according to our word, amen, in the study of the word, that God is, amen, in relationship even to us, a father of creation. He is in relation to us, a son of redemption for all of mankind. And he is the Holy Ghost in our regeneration or by resurrection. And so John 4, 24 in the book of John tells us that God is a spirit. We've looked at this several times. In the Greek, it is God is spirit. The little word A is not in there. God is spirit. Uh, Not a spirit, but spirit. Not making him one of many, but the one and only. Amen. Therefore, God is invisible since he is spirit. Unless God chooses to reveal himself or manifest himself in some way. That's the reason why back in John chapter number 1, and we read of verses number 14, and, and even after verse number 14 in John chapter number 1, talking about how the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. That furthermore, it goes on to say in verse number 18, amen, that it was the Lord Jesus Christ that declared that God unto us, or that revealed that God to us. Because God is a spirit, but he is revealed, manifested, and declared in the man, Christ Jesus. Luke 24 in verse 39 tells us that a spirit has not flesh and blood as you and I have. And so Jesus, as a man with flesh and blood, was the manifestation or the declaration of that invisible spirit, amen, that we know to be God. The Bible says in Colossians 1, In verse number 15, it says who, if you need to know who the who is, you go back a few verses earlier and you see in verse 13, the address is to the dear son. That would be the son of God. That would be this fleshly man, Christ Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. The grand thing about these operations, functions, relationships that we call Father, Son, and Spirit, amen, throughout the word of the Lord is this, is that in each operation, God is the Spirit. Amen. The Father creation, God is the Spirit. Amen. In Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God is the Spirit that indwelt that human body of flesh. When we talk about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, guess what? God is that Spirit. There is but one Spirit, according to the word of the Lord, because there is one God. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, the Bible says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Uh, coordinating with that in the epistle of Ephesians 4 and 4, the Bible says there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. We start all the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the beginning, God. Someone say God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit 
of God. Someone say the spirit. The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. It's the same spirit. Amen, that indwelt Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. It is the same spirit that lives inside of you if you've been born again of the water in the spirit. That spirit, I feel the Holy Ghost. When you start talking about these things, the spirit that moved upon the waters is the same spirit of God that came upon Gideon in the book of Judges. It's the same spirit of God that came upon Samson when he did all of his exploits. It's the same spirit of God that came upon Saul and upon David. It's the same spirit of God that moved upon those very dry bones that was in the valley of dry bones. It's the very same spirit of God that overshadowed Mary and caused her to conceive in her womb. It's the very same spirit of God that the child Jesus Christ embodied that same spirit which he knew to be God. So that in John chapter number 14 Jesus says I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you because when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or if you prefer the gift of the Holy Spirit we got the same spirit that was embodied in Jesus Christ the same spirit that God moved upon people with in the Old Testament. In Philippians 1.19, whenever the Bible speaks of the spirit of Jesus, it is talking about that spirit that indwelt him, which was God. So here's the fact of the matter, and this not boggles, but is so awesome to my mind, is this, Bishop McGee, that the same spirit that moved on the waters in the creative book of Genesis is the same spirit that's still moving in my soul today, known as the comforter or the peace that Jesus Jesus left with us all. And that's mind-boggling to think that in the very beginning, that spirit that moved is the spirit that moves me in my worship, moves me in my tongue-talking, moves me in my adoration. Honey, I have something in me that's ancient. I'm a young man, but I got something that is eternal. Woo! Man, I'm sorry. They sung the song. Okay, tied in verses 14. I didn't read these, but it's a part of our overall text of John 14. Tied in verses 14 and verse number 16 are that dual nature of both natures of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pictured in what is said, his human nature and his divine nature. Because on one hand, in John chapter number 14, And verse number 14, he speaks to us. He says, if you ask in Jesus' name, he says, I will do it. Jesus speaking. If you'll ask Jesus' name, I will do it. Then on the other hand, in verse number 16, he says, he said, you keep Jesus' commandments, and he, Jesus, will pray, or if you will, ask the Father. The spirit. You have both natures of the Lord Jesus Christ represented here. In the doing, you have the nature of divinity. But in the praying or the asking of the Father, you have the demonstration of Jesus' humanity. Amen. You'll see this, and we'll see this a whole lot much later in John chapter number 17 that is oftentimes called the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. We get all kinds of questions that come with this, but Jesus is in the garden. He's praying to the Father. 
People say, well, what is all going on? Well, it's Jesus as man in his flesh crying out to the spirit. Amen. It's not, we're not denoting two persons. We're talking about Jesus in his humanity crying out to the spirit. Because listen, the Bible tells us in Colossians 2 and verse number 9 that in him, Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. The, the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus Christ. The total essence of everything that God was, is, or will be was in Jesus Christ. That's not saying all of God was in Jesus. Because the heavens, his throne... And the earth is his footstool. He says, if you, if you take the wings of the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea, I'm there. If you make your bed in heaven, I'm there. Make your bed in hell, I'm there. He's an omnipresent God. But all of the essence of what God is is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how Jesus is in God, yet God is still yet in Jesus. Someone say amen. amen. And so whenever he prays, amen, in his flesh, he is praying, crying out to the spirit. Yes, that it indwells him, but still at the same time feels all things. Really, if you think of it, it's not much different from us when we pray. Because we have that same spirit dwelling inside of us. Yet it's not just contained to us. Amen. So Jesus in his flesh prays the Father, or praise the Spirit, and he, the Scripture says, the Spirit shall give you another comforter that he will abide with them forever. Now look at verse number 26. Verse 26 tells us that the comforter, which is, gives us further explanation here, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Therefore, Jesus in his flesh, praise the Spirit, will give him another, if I may, Spirit that will abide with them forever. What's going on? At this present time, the Comforter is in part indwelling the man Christ Jesus. At this present time, the Spirit is with them by virtue of the man Christ Jesus. But isn't everyone glad tonight that whenever Jesus died on the cross... When that flesh died on the cross, none of the spirit that indwelt that flesh died. Amen. Amen. None, none, of, none of the spirit that indwelt that flesh died. And so Jesus is praying, if you will, for a change of function, a change of operation, a change of relationship whenever it comes to the spirit. Because up to this point in time, amen, during his earthly ministry, the spirit has been with his disciples. He says, but I'm asking for a change in operation, function, and relationship. Can you take the spirit where it's not just with them now, but can we get the spirit in them? Because at this present time, God was in Christ among the disciples. But soon and very soon, God would be in his disciples living among the world. Amen. And so the comforter, which John again, verse 26 tells us, which is the Holy Ghost, had been with all of his disciples in the man Christ Jesus. For about 33 and a half years was Jesus' life upon the soil of this earth. Amen. But that spirit was going to still be with them. 
even after Christ ascended into the heavens, it wasn't just going to be with them for 33 and a half years. Through the man Christ Jesus is going to continue to be with them and abide with them forever. Amen. Because they were going to be recipients of his spirit. As long as they kept believing as we've looked at, as long as they kept loving, as long as they kept obeying the commands of the Lord, that spirit would remain in them forever. When we talk about the spirit, there's a lot of terms here or labels that are interchangeable. The spirit, spirit of God, call it the spirit of Christ, call it the Holy Ghost, call it the Holy Spirit, call it the comforter, call it the spirit of truth. All of these are interchangeable. They're all the same thing. When we look at the word comforter, when it says that he is the comforter or another comforter, it relates the idea of one that comes alongside another in the Greek. As a matter of fact, uh, the word encompasses a whole lot more than just that. It's the idea of a consoler. It's the idea of a counselor. It's the idea of an advocate, of a person that speaks on behalf of somebody else. It's one who speaks on behalf of another. It's a helper. It's a intercessor. The Bible says in 1 John 2 and verse number 1, my little children, again, St. John writing this that wrote the gospel, John, my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate. It's the exact same Greek word, That's translated comforter in John 14. Exact same Greek word, but here translated an advocate. With the Father, who? How so? Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen. Here in John 14, Jesus Christ is the advocate, rightly so. We read at different places in Scripture that Jesus acts as a mediator between God and humanity. The Bible tells it plainly that he is one that mediates between God and men, the man, the Bible says, Christ Jesus. However, however, what the Spirit did through Christ Jesus is now going to be done in us. Because the Bible says, speaking of the Holy Ghost, speaking of the Spirit of truth, you can read of this in Romans 8 and verse 26, it says that the Spirit helps our infirmities and that it makes intercession for us. When you talk about helping and you talk about intercession, that sounds a lot like the definition of a comforter. Amen. Amen. And so the Spirit will help. The Spirit will intercede. That sounds like an advocate to me. That sounds like a comforter to me. Amen. And so what Jesus Christ, the man, amen, that was indwelt by the Spirit did in his earthly ministry, that Spirit will do in our lives after Jesus has already ascended to the heavens. Simply this. What Jesus was to the disciples in bodily form, he will continue to be to us in spirit form. Mm -hmm. The Bible says they knew the spirit of truth. That's what your Bible says here in verse number 17 and verse number 18 and 19. They knew the spirit of truth. Can someone say that? They knew the spirit 
of truth. Primarily because he has dwelt with them by virtue of Jesus Christ. But he will, Jesus speaks of it, dwell in them by virtue of the Holy Ghost. And it seems proper that this spirit of truth label is there. Because if you'll remember, just a little earlier in our little reading of the scriptures here, Jesus said, what did he say? He said, I am the, and the, and the, uh uh-huh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. It's interesting then that this spirit that would indwell, amen, those disciples when it came on the day of Pentecost would be the spirit of truth. Amen. Now here's the thing. Natural man, speaking of the spirit of truth, John begins to convey that that the world can't receive it, the world can't see it, the world don't know it. Because natural man doesn't comprehend spiritual truth. That's true. Much of the world in Jesus' earthly ministry rejected Jesus and rejected his doctrine even though he told them on multiple occasions, I came from above, I came from heaven, I came from God. The words that I speak are not my own, they're his. The works that I do are not my own, they're his. He said all that, yet they rejected him. He said all that, did all that, yet they rejected him. Although the spirit of truth walked among them in the man Christ Jesus, was expressed to them, declared to them, manifested to them in the man Christ Jesus. Many missed it. Not knowing it. Why? Because this grand thing was shrouded and enclosed in flesh. Humanity. It was incognito, so to speak. It was our great God walking in human flesh. And the spiritual truth is that God was in Christ. We can't get from that. But the world would never know the totality or see the totality if they didn't accept the fact some of these principles that Jesus had told them, they would never accept the fact that when they see Jesus, they've seen the Father. They would miss it if they didn't reconcile the fact, as Jesus said in John 10, 30, he that have seen me, have seen the Father, and this is what he said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are. Now, we come to a little quandary of what I'd rather call a paradox here in Scripture. Along the way, Jesus has been telling his disciples, and we've heard it at different places along the journey up to chapter number 14, such things like, yet just a little while, and the light is with you. He's been talking to them how I'm going to go away. I'm going. He's been talking to them, Brother Fred, about leaving. But in verse 18 of our scripture text, Jesus says, I will not leave. So he's been talking about leaving, going away. And then he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Folks, let me tell you tonight, Jesus didn't change his mind. What we have here is a paradox in Scripture. Jesus is still leaving, but he's also coming. Jesus is leaving and coming. Simultaneously, as it appears, Christ departs soon again in bodily form, his flesh. But he's returning or coming in the spirit form as the Holy Ghost. 
So he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The word comfortless is the word orphanos. Sounds similar to orphan because it's basically the idea of being without a father. I will not leave you without a father. It, it pertains also in the days of Jesus, not just to someone being without a father, but like students or pupils being without their teacher or without the presence of their master. Jesus is talking to his disciples, which means followers, which means pupils. And he's telling them, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. You're not going to be without the presence of your master. Well, Lord, how can you go and still be? Oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in John 14 and verse 25, these things Jesus says, have I spoken unto you? Some of the things he just spoke to them. It's talking about how he that loveth, loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the word which ye hear is not mine but the fathers which sent me he says these things have I spoken to you being yet present with you I've said these very things in your hearing while I've still yet been bodily present with you verse 26 he says but he says the comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the father will send in my name he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He's not leaving them without the teacher. He's not leaving them without the teacher. Amen. The Holy Ghost, the Bible says right here in our verse, which is the comforter, which is the spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, you understand, which is the spirit of truth. The Holy Ghost will teach them all things things here's the thing Jesus says I've said some things to you yet being present with you I've said some things to you yet being bodily present with you he says but the comforter is going to continue to teach you all things that even I taught you and even bring back to your mind some of the very things that I said the very same spirit that indwelt Christ would come to them in that sense. Uh, in that sense, Jesus, not leaving but coming, would come to them and not leave them without a teacher, not leave them without a comforter, not leave them without the spirit of truth. What are you saying? The Holy Ghost continues to teach us just as Jesus did in his earthly, physical, tangible, fleshly body did the early disciples. Amen. Someone say amen. Not only that, the Holy Ghost reminds us of things that Jesus taught. It reminds us of things that are recorded in his word, and thank goodness it does. Here's the thing. The Holy Ghost, Brother Terry, in our day is not teaching us a new thing. It's not teaching us a new thing. It's teaching us the same things that Jesus taught and reminding us of those things. I'm not looking for a new doctrine or a new dogma or a new way or a new path or a new revelation or a new era. No, 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 no. That same spirit. Woo! That same spirit that walked among the disciples and gave them instruction about the way in which they carry out their lives is the spirit that lives inside of me still trying to direct my lives in the same path as the disciples. That's how the church is built upon Jesus Christ. Being the chief cornerstones. You know, all the precepts of the law and the prophets. Amen. Amen. And we're built up on the same things. Why? Because the message hasn't changed. And the spirit that brought the message. Not changed. Not different. It's that same 
Spirit. So the ongoing work of the Spirit is a continuation of the work of Jesus during the lifetime of the disciples. He's still teaching. Jesus says, everybody doing okay? Boy, this is, I'm telling you, I probably said this before. That's okay. Anytime you talk about the oneness of God, baptism, repentance, Holy Ghost, anytime you talk about those, those foundational doctrines of God's word, he shows up. You talk about Jesus, he shows up. It's like the two boys on the way to Emmaus. They're talking about everything that happened that day, the crucifixion, what happens? Jesus shows up, draws near to them, says, what are you all talking about? The Bible says later when they understood it was him that did not our hearts burn within us whenever he came? That's what's happening to me right now. He's here. Jesus says the Holy Ghost whom the Father, the Spirit, will send in my name. Being sent in the name is being sent as the representation of. Tell them that Paul sent you. I'm sending you somewhere I've been or I got connections. I said, James, go tell them that Paul sent you. In essence, he's being sent in my name. He shows up, KO Corral, nobody knows him. But he says, I'm here because of Paul. <laughs> the Holy Ghost in us is the representation of Jesus Christ to our modern world. Why we say sometimes the only Jesus people sees is the Jesus that you live. In this, in this era, in the flesh, here in the Gospel of John, Jesus, by some, would not be seen for who he really was. However, his followers, his disciples would see him. It's like a dual row here, seeing him naturally, seeing him spiritually. They would see him in a spiritual aspect. They would see every aspect of Christ Jesus, every aspect of God represented in the man, Christ Jesus. How? By the Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 10, the apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, amen, along such of these lines. He says, but as it is written, and I could have read a whole lot more like starting up to verse number three and go down, but I spared you all. But as, but that's good homework. But as it is written, he said, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, oftentimes we just talk about heaven in those verses, but that can encompass a whole lot more than heaven. I have not seen, ear, not heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. That might not, that doesn't necessarily just encompass heaven. That encompasses your life here on earth. You don't know what God has prepared for you all that are loving him. But, someone say but, verse 10. God hath revealed them, manifested them, declared them unto us by his spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. What are you saying? I can't see it with my natural eye. I can't feel it with my natural hand. But there's times when I enter into a place in the Spirit, I'm starting to see things that are not as though they... 
God starts pulling back the curtain in the spirit and says, let me show you what I prepared for those that are in love. Brother Mason, get in the spirit. God might be want to pull back a curtain and say, look what I prepared for those that love me. Because the spirit knoweth all things, searcheth all things, even the deep. He'll reveal it. He'll manifest. Amen. Verse 27. i tell you what I'm really sad about. A couple weeks from now, we're going to delve into verse chapter 15, and I'm not going to get finished with it in one night. I'm going to have to wait three months. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. But let not your heart be troubled. We've heard this before. Neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again. <laughs> unto you, if you love me, you would rejoice. Because I said I go unto the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass. That when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Look at verse 27. Verse 27 really connects back with the very first verse of this chapter that may seem like it's been a long time ago since you visited. But in both places, he urges them, let not your heart be troubled. In the opening verses, if you will remember, again, he is describing to them that he is going, but he will come again to receive them. In these verses that I just read to you, 27 through 29, again, he is relating to them in this mode of telling them, let not your hearts be troubled. He's relating to them again about he's going to go away, but he's going to come again. He's leaving, but at the same time, he's leaving his peace with them. Paul in the book of Romans 14, 17, I don't know if I have it up there. I had several verses I sent up there. I kept some of them here. Paul said to the church of Rome, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Can someone finish it? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness. Pardon me, what was that? Peace and joy. Where? I like it. I like it. You know, I've heard from people sometimes that's received the Holy Ghost. I'm so at peace. Jesus says, my peace. I can't but wonder if he might not have been capitalizing on the fact he was going to be sending his spirit. My peace. I leave with you. It's not as the world gives. Because there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And being contrasting to the peace that they knew in their day, living under the oppression of the Roman Empire, they had a peace that was known as the Pax Romana, which meant Roman peace. That was secured by their very first emperor, Augustus. And the way in which it was obtained and the way in which it was maintained in Rome was by military might. No wonder, he said, the peace that I give is not as the world gives. They obtained it and they maintain it by military might. Yeah. 
But remember, guys, I'm the one that came riding in on the donkey. Not on the horse of a military steed, but I came on the donkey. I obtained the peace that I'm given to you. Amen. It's distributed by a sacrificial death and a glorious resurrection. And he says, you all should be rejoicing because I go to the Father. Because the Father is greater than me. The Father, the Spirit, is greater than the flesh. The Spirit is greater than the flesh of Christ Jesus. Amen. Even in this sense, in John 13, 16, Jesus said, a chapter back, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he, neither is he that is sent, Greater than he that sent him. She says, I've been sent from above. I've been sent from heaven. I've been sent from God. In that sense, he is not greater. Flesh never would be. Furthermore, in John 16 and verse number 7, we'll look at this in months to come. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. Here's why you need to rejoice. Here's why you need to rejoice that I go. Because it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, the spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth will not come unto you. But if I depart, I send him. So you need to be happy. You need to be happy that I'm departing in bodily form. Because the spirit can't come in you. Till the body departs from you. Someone say amen, man. I feel God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so he's telling them all of these things. Yes, verse number 30, or 29 rather. He's telling these, these things ahead of time before they take place, before they happen. So that whenever it does happen, that they might be leave. No doubt. Their heart, you know, is going to be troubled. Jesus, their, their leader, their master, they're going to see human flesh being crucified on the cross. All of them are going to flee away from him. Only a few is going to follow. Close behind, only a few will be even at the crucifix at Golgotha, for that matter. Even after the resurrection, many of them are still going to be doubtful that he did rise the third day. Truth, right? Peter and John run to the tomb, right? The one actually enters in and belief starts to be garnered. There's still yet a lot of them that are doubting. So he's trying, no doubt, to curtail some of their future emotions by telling them ahead of time what is to come. And he's trying to keep their hearts from being troubled. But he's also, by doing this, by telling it ahead of time, he's proving his words and the truth of his words. He's garnering belief. The Bible says this in the book of Jeremiah, and I'm not going to hold you much longer, so you can be happy. Amen. Jeremiah 28 and verse number 90. This is what the Bible says concerning the prophet. It says, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass. Then shall the prophet be known that the Lord have truly sent him. Jesus says, I told you I sent from above. I told you I was sent from heaven. I told you I was sent from God and by God. And you're going to know the validity of it being so. The validity of me being sent. Because everything I'm talking to you right now that hasn't taken place yet is going to take place. 
And all that does whoo, is prove that the prophet is known and that he's been sent by the Lord. <laughs> and he says, so when all these things come to pass, he says, I'm not doing it for the purpose of praise. I'm not doing it for the purpose of notoriety. He says, but what the ultimate purpose is of my objective is, I want you to believe that she might, and that has been the whole key, amen, of the gospel of John, that believe in his name, they would have life in his name. He says, I'm telling you what's going to happen so that when it does happen, you might believe and you might have opportunity for that same spirit yeah. hallelujah to dwell in your mortal body so that when he was writing the understand so that when he was writing the book of Rome he said in the spirit that raised Christ from the dead if that spirit dwell in you shall quicken your mortal body I've all times said this and we have the, the view and the focus, again, of the rapture of the church. We need the spirit for the rapture to quicken our mortal body. Let me tell you, Sister Adams, I don't just need it for the rapture. I need a quickening of this mortal body every once in a while down here. If the spirit that raised him up dwells in me, then Brother Malone, every once in a while in the service, what was that? Quickening of the spirit. That's right. Tears may be flowing and hands going. What's going on? Quickening of the spirit. Amen. Amen. That's the reason why the church should be a live church. Because they should be filled with a living spirit. The psalmist David said, the dead praise not the Lord. Their spirit has departed. My Christ went to a tomb, got up the third day and sent his spirit on the day of Pentecost. And if I will believe and obey and ask, I can be filled with that same spirit that can quicken this mortal body. I can walk through trial and have a quickening spirit. I can be faced with heartache and there can be a quickening in my spirit. I can feel sick in my body, but my spirit. Oh, yes. Spring up, oh well. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Jesus. Mm. That same spirit. That concludes chapter 14. It was kind of a hop around, but that's the way it had to be done. Come next Wednesday. Brother Zach McGee will be here. Come this Sunday. It'll be McGee and McGee. All right. Be McGee and McGee. Amen. Junior and younger, or junior and senior and a few week, a week later, yeah, something very similar. <laughs> Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. I hope that you learned something. Amen from the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads tonight. We need that spirit today. God, we need your spirit. God, that same spirit. I pray, oh God, today you did not leave us comfortless. You did not leave us orphans. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.